morning. This is the Living Permaculture Show, and I'm Jerome Osentowski, and our special guests today are Sarah and Rachel from Highwater Farm over in the Silt area. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your the farm location and um, what your mission is and uh, what your practices, your growing practices are? Uh, I met you at uh, Dandelion, no, at the uh, Potato Days, and we got the chance mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about what you're doing. It's a pretty unique um, farm and cultural mix there that you're doing, and uh, we're going to get into that later. So talk, where actually are you located in Silt? So we're located on the Silt River Preserve on the south side of the Colorado River in Silt. So, um, yeah. And- and Jerome, to speak a little bit to the mission, our mission is to use sustainable agriculture to transform the lives of young people and increase access to healthy food in Garfield County. And so we do that in a few ways. We are growing food um, here at the Salt River Preserve on public open space and stewarding the land here. We've got a five-acre lease uh, for about 25 years as our first lease contract. And then we run a youth program where we hire teens on for an eight-week program and they learn um, some agricultural practices they learn about food systems nutrition cooking and different job skills and then we also make sure that we're uh, routing produce to the pantries and bringing the community in in a number of ways great so you're kind of uh, doing um, agricultural and building culture as well and i know that you have your um, your CSA, uh, how many members do you have in that? Yeah, so th- this year we'll have 60 members. Last year we had 30, and it was our first year. So entering 22 is our uh, second year with, with 60 members. And about 40 of those are on farm here in Silt, and 20 are for pickup in Glenwood Springs. And you, uh, you also do farmer's markets as well? Yes. Yeah, so last year we were at the Carbondale, Silt, and Newcastle markets, and I think we'll be doing those three again this year. Yeah, we'll be uh, up in Carbondale every Wednesday and down in Silt every Wednesday, and we'll visit the Newcastle market just a few times. We're also this year working with the Latino community down here in um, basically between Silt to Parachute to implement a mobile farm stand where we can make sure that our produce is really accessible to people who aren't able to access it. Great. And um, you also have uh, some of the school kids coming and working on the farm and also doing some training programs so that they might become young farmers at some point? Or Yeah, so it's an eight-week program in the summer. It starts in June. Um, and I think last year we had six youth, and this year we're aiming to have ten. Um, and they come out and, yeah, learn how to farm, and they also have, every week we have several different workshops for them in the afternoon, so they can learn different skills related to job training. Um, like last year we had a public speaking class for them and, like, a resume building class in addition to, um, like, different people from the community coming out and teaching them different things. Last year I led, like, a wild learning to use wild plants workshops just so they can identify native plants that are also on the farm um so yeah they get to learn all kinds of different things and whether or not they decide to continue farming 
isn't really the focus. It's more just like getting them out and um, giving them the opportunity to learn. Great. Um, and um, so you, you're operating as a, a for-profit or a non-profit or both, or how does that work? Yeah, Jerome, so we're a, non, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and all of our proceeds go back into running the farm and bringing staff on and then providing the youth program services and then also providing produce to the pantry system. Um, although with Farm to Food Pantry funding, we are able to sell our produce, so that's great, too. That helps us sustain programming also. Mm-hmm. And you were doing some trials with, with Casey um, from Wild Mountain Seeds last year. Is that correct? That's true, yeah. So uh, Wild Mountain Seeds had a test plot out here at the Salt River Preserve, which was exciting. And we had some fun collaboration, got to learn from them and see some of their practices. Yeah, I, I always like to send people over to Casey's, um, you know, because I think he's got a very good well thought out system, soil building, et cetera, and and uh, the the end result is the seeds. And uh I've been selecting and I think he's gonna do some trials at my place, uh at Crimpy this year and uh awesome. yeah, and I I've been growing out his tomatoes for ten years now, I think, and uh, I've saved this yeah, year. They, they have some really incredible um product and just have been doing great work in the area for such a long time. Uh, we also love collaborating with them. Last year, we had the first run of a Farm Olympics, um, so we're excited to see if that takes shape again, hopefully with farms from the entire valley. Um, and that, that was a really fun event that was at Wild Mountain Seeds. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess we'll have a, a, a young farmers meeting um, again this spring. Uh, uh, were you invited to that last year or last fall? Or I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we're on the, the young farmer or the Roaring Fork farmers list. We, yeah. we get to attend this meeting. Good. Sometimes it's hard for us to make it up since we're down in Silt. Right. Well, maybe we should have it down at your at your farm next time, the meeting or something. That would be wonderful. We yeah. would love that. Yeah, we yeah. love bringing people down Valley. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I, you also have a lot of really great farms in the, in the region. Some Ken Coons. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've worked with Ken over for the last, you know, like 40 years and uh, Rummers, uh, you know, Osage Gardens, they they uh, have now turned that over to the next generation or they've sold it actually. Uh, but I, I, I noticed that Sarah's on, on your board, right? Yes. She is, yes. She's been an incredible asset to our team. Right. She's she, helped run some events out here and um, has really helped us line up resources and been a great organizer for us. Right. And then Ken, we um, we often will stop by his place when we have a question about timing during the season or if something comes up, and it's it's really cool to see what he's been doing for such a long time in the area. Yeah, it's, it's a well thought out operation and. Um... And uh, there are elders like me, you know. So it's, it's glad that you're re- respecting the fact that, you know, that they they have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience, and and they, they've been, you know, they've had to weather every whatever whatever it had been over the last, and so was Ken Coons, and so have I, and so you know we're kind of the last, the last of the Mohicans, you know, the last dog mm-hmm. standing. Um, and um, we're not really ready to get locked up yet. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not. We also we're trying to glean as much of that knowledge as we can. It's also just encouraging when things feel hard and scary to to talk to folks who've lived through it and have been like, you know, I've seen a season like this or I've seen this situation before. And yes, things are changing and they're changing at a more rapid pace, and that's obvious. And we need to we need to shift how we work things, but we also are. Yeah, really encouraged to to know and understand what the practices are here and to honor that. Yeah, I you know I'd like to talk a little bit about this this whole business of how we create agriculture, a new a new agriculture and a new culture, because you know our our current culture is fragmented and divided, and it's even mm-hmm. getting get more so coming up in the next election, and we don't really have. A permanent agriculture. We have industrial agriculture. So th- the stuff that you're doing there, and the other farms are in the valley, and you know what what we've been doing at Crimpy kind of kind of leads down a different path. And everyone has a different formula that they're working with. And um, mm, yeah, it, I love that, you know. And we, um, I think that's that's something that we're really excited about. Is out here, we're really able to that we use agriculture and, and growing food as this platform to bring different parts of the community together because it doesn't really matter who you are or what you believe. Like at the end of the day, we need to eat and we need each other. And if we can focus on that when we're in this beautiful space, um, it really does make a difference and it helps us shift our energy from, from that energy that kind of pulls us apart. Exactly. That division. And then, and cause everything is so competitive um in in our culture and agriculture is not exempt from that unfortunately i see some you know a lot of competition and one one of the ways we can do that is um to eliminate some of that is start to swapping interns and uh, i'm in the process of hiring uh some staff this this year and uh, and one of the one of the uh, interns or the, one of the employees is going to be kind of a roving uh she's going to be going to a different farm every week uh and maybe you know twice uh and learning from all the different farms and and then so that you know if if you're just working on a vegetable farm and that's all you ever see um you know that's not a good training opportunity i think uh because everyone's doing something a little differently and I think it's important to find all of those, find the niches and find the ones, the things that work, and um, and then let let the, let the young farmers experience that, not just read it in a book or see a, a YouTube video. And but if they're spending a day on a farm, they're going to be making observations. They're going to be seeing, oh, we're we're doing it this way. Uh, maybe we could mm-hmm. do it better this way or whatever. So. Yeah, something that I've really appreciated from working at High Water, um, I started in the fall of 2020, and what I've appreciated that we've done is we've gone on farm tours each year, and so they're connected with other farmers in the area, and our staff has gone up and just, like, toured different farms in the valley um, and done what you're saying, like, going to see how different farms operate and just, like, what the different culture is like, um, and it's really fun just to see how people different people design their wash stations or just 
how neat some people's rows are compared to like more wilder. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really, it's really, I think, valuable to see different practices so you don't get stuck in one way of thinking. And I, I kind of love the, the friendly competition that that develops. So it's like we can, we can say, yes, our culture kind of forces this competitive energy around how we do things, how do we operate a business, grow food. Um, but if we can turn that into something fun and interesting and collaborative, then that energy gets used in a really positive way. Um, we try to use friendly competition out here on the on the farm too. <laughs> when we're either working as a team or with teams, it's kind of like a who can weed which pathway the fastest, or um, who can harvest the most tomatoes in 20 minutes, and uh, and we we find a way to make it fun. Well, great, and I think uh, you know that's only you know makes common sense to do that. I I'm, I'm impressed with having been in Puerto Rico. Um, we just I just came back from teaching a permaculture class at Stephanie Sison's farm, and I was there for three weeks, and in, I did travel a, a bit across the the island, and um, we have more probably ten times more organic farms and meat producers in this valley than in the entire island of Puerto Rico. Um, mm. It's pretty um, discouraging that um, that there isn't any organic production there. Uh, and, uh, you know, you find this in a lot of third world countries, but uh, uh, where, where uh, you know, the chemical companies have, have a big lock on how things are grown and, and agriculture is not really promoted you know uh the USDA is trying to get uh new farms on the ground but the culture itself is not uh something you know um the local culture um they have a, a certain diet that's mostly uh, you know starches and um so and there's it's just amazing how how little agriculture um there is there and Stephanie was going to be you know, kind of breaking new ground there. Uh, and some of the teachers that we had over there were, um, are going to be doing some design work and also just, uh, there, there is a small group of younger uh, people who are entrepreneurs who are interested in sustainable agriculture. Um, so they may be able to jumpstart some new farms over there and uh, get, uh, but it's wide open. So that's, um, and it's wide open everywhere really because there's so much, land that's not being used everywhere um, yeah i mean i think that's so interesting because it's that that piece of like yes there's this space and there's this need um but all the pieces coming together can be so complicated and out here i think the major hurdle we run into every season is water and the timing of the ditch turning on um, and i can imagine there are, are several hurdles to jump in puerto rico as well well, what um, your the land you have is open space land, and is that uh, is it Pitkin County or is it Garfield County? Uh, yeah, so our the land that we farm on is owned by the town of Silt, and it was purchased and conserved by the town of Silt with help from Aspen Valley Land Trust. Good, um, I believe in 2010, and so it's now been kind of slowly being uh, cared for and. Um, tended to when it was first 
purchased by a developer, I think in 2000, the topsoil was kind of scraped and different swales around ditch lines were created for a mini golf course. And so that brought up, as you can imagine, a lot of noxious weed seed and did some damage here. And so it's uh, being recovered now and there's some good energy going into that uh, with a lot of work and help from both the town of Salton Aspen Valley Land Trust. And I mean, I hope you can make it out, Jerome, because it's a really incredible space and we feel really lucky to be here. It's so beautiful. We have eagles that swoop down on us at this time of year when we're in the field. And uh, when we get here, there's often herds of elk. Um, but yeah, it's, it's owned by the town of Silt and it's at the Silt River Preserve. Yeah, well, uh, so how, how big is the farm itself? Uh, um, we're operating on a one acre, but I think we're working within a little bit. But it's a, it's a larger piece of acreage? It's, it's a larger... Yeah, so we have a five-acre lease, uh, and we've got three acres enclosed in wildlife fencing. Last year, we had one acre cultivated, and this next year, we'll have about an acre and a half under production. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to eventually work up to having five acres um, working at any time with one acre under cover crop, and so about four acres of vegetables. So that's a, that's like the five to ten year vision. Good. So you're doing cover cropping and then uh, building soils and repressing weeds, and then going. Do you have a pretty good rotation on the the ground that you're growing on on a regular basis are you just cover cropping at the fi- the next year or how do you work that yeah yeah so it's right now it's every third year so we have the the first parcel that uh we farmed in 2020 it was a half acre parcel and now that is under cover crop this year so it had two two years of production then now this year under cover um and then something else that's interesting about our scale is that we're really working to uh, mechanize kind of like anything that involves bed prep and flipping beds. And so when we go in and prepare beds in the spring, we're loading compost, uh, we're using a power harrow, and then um, we're tarping. And so all of those pieces we try to mechanize so that we can use our team of staff out here. And then once we get into planting and tending to plant, um, and then maintaining, and then eventually harvesting. All of that is done by hand so that we can really integrate community work, um, integrate the teams in our program, volunteers, and then we have community events and other things to get people out as well. Well, that's, um, uh, I also looked at some, uh, on your website, you you have a lot of interplanting as well. So, um, and I noticed, I mean, I do that in, in the perennial gardens, but you, you've integrated, uh, you know, a lot of flowering plants in amongst your vegetables. So that's, it's very diverse. Uh, you know, from what I could see on, on some of your, um, your, your, um, your photos and your video. Um, and that, that always makes sense, uh, is getting a lot of, uh, you know, pollinators and predators in there to do all the work for you as far as insect control. Yeah. That's cool to hear. I So I would say that that is a big credit to our team. And like Rachel and um, we had Jess and Anna and Ellie, all the people who have contributed to this space and really worked their tails off. I actually come from a pretty conventional linear mindset. And I've done a lot of grow, like mental growing in the last couple of years of like, oh, that's right. We do need to incorporate these things and we can maximize space. 
and integrate um, these other crops that will pull in those things. So I, that's been a learning process for me. Um, and I think it's really cool to hear that feedback uh, because it is exciting to move that direction. Yeah, I was just in uh, Stephanie's garden in Puerto Rico, and she does a, she does a lot of interplanting. And um, she did about, about an acre of annual garden, but now half of it's moving into a perennial garden. And but um, it seems like what she'll do is take a tray, and when she runs out of that, she'll she'll switch to something else. And so you and she'll interplant as well, you know, double plant, um, so that you know when one thing's coming up, the other one's getting shaded, and and then you're you know you're getting more. Uh, bang for your buck, stacking time, actually, and, and space as well. So all those techniques can really um, add to the diversity and health of the farm, plus just give you more productivity. And it doesn't look as tidy as, as, as uh, you know, industrial agriculture, but um, tidy really never got them anywhere in the long run. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's great. And, you know, something we hear, that's uh, one way that we kind of utilize that concept is, because the UV is so intense here, a lot of our plants struggle with that direct sunlight. So we're able to use the shading of like tomatoes or other larger crops um, and kind of tuck things in. But it is, you're right, it's a little bit messier. And sometimes that's really mentally hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I like the way you've uh, you brought in the Hispanic community and try to get more involvement and training some of the younger uh students out of the school to to embrace agriculture as a, as a career? Yeah, we're excited. I mean, ultimately, we really want this farm to be owned by the community and feel like it belongs to everyone. And we know that in our valley, that means that's 50% Latino. So um, starting it how we have, like now that we're really up and running, the work is going to be how do we make sure that we are being inclusive and giving equitable access to what we do and the food we grow. So, thank, yeah, thanks for that. And I, we have a lot of work to do around that also. Yeah, that's that. Um, uh, we're going to take a little break here. And um, this is a Living Permaculture Show. And I'm Jerome Wasantowski. Um, a little um, uh, some scheduling that uh, we're going to have coming up. We actually are going to do the, um, the design shred at. Uh, the Cattle Creek Ranch this weekend, so that is on. Uh, we have a full house there. We have had a couple. We had Travis on um, the previous show, and uh, so we're designing, um, doing a, a design practicum on a, on a five-acre parcel up on um, Cattle Creek, and um, uh, you might be interested in this sometime down the road. But uh, and this is a venue that we've Kareen. Uh, Harvey and I have been working on. We did one in Montana, and then so the the idea is to just build, to take the group mind and come to a property and use uh, permaculture principles and ethics to uh, come up with a sort of impromptu, quick design of how this property should uh, move forward in terms of how the agriculture is going to play out, how the culture is going to play out, and um, we're going to be doing that uh, also in Crestone on another on a hot springs uh, uh, property uh, and a thousand acre ranch, I think in, in, in June. So this is another way to um, basically look at um, design and we are all designers basically. Uh, we've just kind of given up our power 
to um, to do that work. And you you're all designing your property as you move along, right? And designing yeah. your your practices, right? Yeah, definitely a work in progress. Right, and, and um, I think I, what know. I'm learning as someone that's new to farming is just that it is like a long term thing to see yeah. each year how things change and kind of adapting year by year. Yeah, and then um, on Monday we're going to have. Um, We'll be airing uh, Stephanie Sison. I'll be uh, recording her her uh, segment right after this one. And so on m- next Monday, we'll be talking about Puerto Rico and our experience down there uh, doing the um, PDC and uh, traveling around the, the island to see what, what was there and um, also to see how uh, the crew came in a couple, three weeks before and built the infrastructure on, in the jungle to put on the the, uh, the PDC class, and we had about twenty five people there from a lot of people from the Roaring Fork and and uh, Paonia were there. Not a lot, but a half a dozen or so. And then we had people from all over the world. So uh, that'll be an interesting uh, show. And um, I'm hoping to go back to Puerto Rico next next uh, winter for two or three months, and uh, maybe. Oh, I think. We're- Probably go with you, Jerome. We um, we need some st- we need to study some agriculture out there. Well, what we need to do is start up a, a, a an agroforestry school, and I've already worked on that. Being a, so, we're going to be taking people down to Puerto Rico to do, you know, two or three months or, or a month of of teaching of, in, in tropical agriculture, and um, we're going to start the school here in, in Crimpy and do some workshops over in. Uh, Paonia, and also probably with Casey. So we're going to get a dozen folks and start an uh, agroforestry school. Um, that's going to happen this year. So, um, and then we'll just have a summer or winter uh, program in Jacksonville, and then we also have a um, – we'll, we want to do it in Puerto Rico. So people can combine a vacation down there with some uh, agroforestry training. Cool. That's great. And the beaches are, are the beaches are really nice there. It's really really pleasant. Yeah, no kidding. What yeah. a great time of year to hit lay on the yeah. beach too. Well, we're going to wrap up here. Thanks uh, for coming. Do you want to give anybody uh, your uh, contact information? Uh, uh, yes, please. So, I mean, look, please look up our website. It's highwaterfarm.org. Um, and again, it's Sarah and Rachel. And so our email addresses are just. Sarah at highwaterfarm.org and Rachel at highwaterfarm.org. Um, and if anyone needs to get a hold of us, we've even got numbers and contact forms on there. And we really hope that folks uh, look us up and make their way down here. It's a beautiful time of year to come to the area. And we still have some CSA shares available and are still also looking for applicants for the youth program. And those applications are due on April 1st. Great. Well, well, thanks a lot, and we'll, uh, we'll see you folks uh, on the next Living Permaculture Show next Monday. Oh, Grandfather, tell me how it was when you were young. Was the world so very old when your life had just begun? Oh, Grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land? And the tools that you used you made with your own hands Before time was only money and machines made man a slave Was the world all